Thank you for joining Life Buddhist Church in Ringbar. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you. One with Jesus. I want you to think about that concept this morning. One with Jesus. I want you to think about this this morning. Because scripture says that he indwells you. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit indwells you. So I want to think. I want you to think about the worst thing that you've done this week. I've got quite a few. Do you realize that as you did it, Jesus did it with you? Or is my theology off the wall this morning, Mas? I want you to think about this. If 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 God lives in me and I'm his ambassador, and the fullness of the Spirit, or we don't have the fullness of the Spirit, but we have the Spirit within, only Jesus had the fullness of the Spirit, Scripture says. But I want you to think about this. When you say the thing that you did, where was the Holy Spirit, Dave? Did he run away? Or was he right there, present? You see, God is omnipotent, he's omniscient. You cannot remove God from who you are. His Spirit indwells you. Or do we think that every time we sin, the Holy Spirit runs away? And then when we're good again, He comes back. He that is without sin, Scripture says, is a liar. So, with our frailty, with our uselessness at times, guess what? He's right there. I, I, I sometimes think that is why Jesus said to the disciples, I will send you the comforter. Because we need comfort after we've sinned. And if he runs off and he's not around, how do we get comforted? So I want you to sit this morning, maybe close your eyes, those on Zoom, just get, just get quiet for a minute and thank the Holy Spirit for his comfort in your life this morning. When you fail yourself and those around you and him, he comforts. He steps in and he brings healing. The balm of Gideon comes and preferably comes and anoints you with oil. It nourishes the, past, the parched places. He washes away the sin. He restores your relationship back with him. He restores the relationship you have with those around you. He restores the relationship you have with yourself. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you promise you will never leave nor forsake your people. Yes, you are with us through the ages.
Does anybody here this morning want to just have a prayer of thanks for that this morning? That assurance that he does not leave you alone. Is there anybody? Even online, maybe, Nathan, if you can check if there's anybody online that would like to just thank the Father this morning. That is always with us. That is always with you. Could you just come to the microphone, please, Willem? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, creator of the universe. We, as your fallen people, we sin against you, we offend you, we are rude to you. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the gift that you have given us that we may receive forgiveness. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you give us this assurance in our mind and in our hearts that when we have sinned and we turn and repent, that your comfort is with us, that we may be comforted by the Holy Spirit that dwells in our hearts and in our minds. Thank you for the comfort that we may receive with the repentance of our sin. We praise your holy name. Amen. Gracious Father, we invite you to be in our midst this morning. We invite you to dwell richly among us in this place as we love and honor you. And as we do, Father, we ask that you renew us, that you guide our steps, that we may walk in a way that glorifies you. And as we stand at the beginning of a week, we do not fully understand we ask that you will give us new perspective of what you are able to do in our lives. And if you agree with that prayer, will you say amen with me? Amen. I'd like us to do a little bit of a corporate declaration this morning. Uh, Peter John, it's, is it right now? So are you ready, those online? I know there's going to be a bit of an echo. It doesn't matter just do it. The Bible says he loves a joyful noise. All right. So are we ready? One, two, three. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Now I want you to look around at other people in this place. Online, look at the other faces, boys, girls, men, women, loved by God. 
Would you like to tell somebody that they're loved by God this morning? Loved by God this morning? And you and I have been invited this morning to dine together at this table called the, the Table of Remembrance. Can I ask, could you and um, just bring the table to the front here, please, so people online can see that as well, please. I thank Tiller for putting it together this morning. We appreciate that. You might just have to turn around the other way around, but it's fine. Come through. Okay, so. All right. Yeah. Just put it in the middle there, if you would. And just take the cloth off there, if you could, Willem, please. So, I want you to hold on to your communion this morning. Hold, get it ready. We're not going to do it yet. But as we... Do, do this message this morning. I want to you to think about you sitting around this table to dine with Jesus. Okay? We've got to know him in his death in order that we may know him in his resurrection. We have to experience him in his frailty when he said things like, if it be your will, Father, may this cup pass me by. Who's felt weak this week? Anybody felt weak? The Holy Spirit comforts you. The King of Glory was with you. You were not alone. David writes this in Psalm 84, verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for the joy to the living God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Now we may be different ages this morning, different genders. We may even come from different countries. But 1 Corinthians 10 says, we are one bread, one body, and we all are partakers of this one bread. When we come and we look at the table of the Lord, we all share in one God. He's not a Wesleyan God. He's not a Baptist God. He's not a Caro God. He's the Creator God. And you and I have been invited to share in the gift of eternal life that was brought through this table or the symbols of this table, the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, for those uh, you'll know about this about about this little, have you ever heard of about the term uh, explosion welding or blast welding? All right. So this is a very interesting thing. Imagine putting two, putting together two metals that are incompatible. In other words, take steel and aluminium. aluminium. You, you try to weld them. What's going to happen? 
You're going to have holes in the one and the other one's going to be fine because the heat, the heat frequencies are different. Am I right? I'm not a welder. This is just what I got on YouTube. All right? So there is a certain way. And uh, what it is is that what, what happens in it is that they will take one metal, they will clean it out as much as they possibly can, then they will layer that with explosives. Then they will take the other metal and put that on top of that. Now, it looks like Quibus knows what I'm talking about. He's shaking his head profusely in the back there. And then they will explode the, the, expl- the, the, the explosives from one corner. And as this explosion takes along, it pushes out all the impurities. It pushes out all the oxidants that should not be there. And it, and it welds these two metals together that it looks like one. I've got a bit of a feature. I don't know why. Maybe just give me, I don't know what it is. Maybe take some treble off or something. And so you have, let's say, for example, aluminium and then hard steel looking like one metal. It doesn't now look like two because they are welded so close together, it looks like it was produced that way. And when I saw this on YouTube, uh, there's a guys that play around with this stuff with great excitement because they are big explosions. And I thought about this. We are partakers of divine nature day. Corruption somehow gets joined in with divinity. How can that be compatible? How do we, how do we take a sinful man and think about you when you're at your worst and yet the Holy Spirit is fused in there. He's fused in your life. It's as if it's one thing doing the same thing. If you think about the Old Testament, you found many times that when the people looked at the Israelites, there was fear amongst the the heathen nations because they said, your God is your God and we're afraid of him. Think about Jericho. Think about the crossing of the Red Sea. When people saw the unity amongst the people of God and their God. There was a sense of awe because they speak about the people of God. They, when you call yourself and they say, what are you? You don't say, I'm a Wesleyan. You don't say you're a Baptist. You say what? I'm a Christian. What does Christian mean? Well, it means Christ-like. And as you go through scripture, there's this push all along that every department in our life becomes more like Jesus. There's there's another scripture that says that when he comes back to receive his bride, we, we need to get rid of the spots and the wrinkles in our lives. The spots and the blemishes actually is the words that get used. Removing the spot. And it's it's somehow that when this when when I receive receive Christ, there's this if we can, and I'm using this just as illustration, I don't want to sound derogatory and this is not a new theology, but it says if I lay down my life and the blood of Jesus, the explosive, comes and covers me and cleanses me and then the Spirit of God comes and hovers over me and comes with me and there's this explosion that takes place and it fuses me together with Him. And we become one. We unify. 
Now, interestingly enough, the word partakers of that one bread, is it up there? Oh, this didn't work. Can you go to the next slide for me? Oh, there we go. There we go. Partakers of that one bread. One bread. Not divided bread. That one bread. That coming together of a sinful life and a holy life and somehow gets brought together and it's seen as one thing. That's why we have to understand I cannot be a Christian on Sundays only. Because no matter where I go, Dave, I'm prompted by the Holy Spirit to pray. To stop doing things. And I cannot get rid of Him. He is with me. He seeks me out. He calls me to repentance. The word says that the Holy Spirit has been sent to convict the world of sin. That's his job. And then once we become one with him, he then keeps on convicting, convicting us of sin. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. But if we do sin, we have a high priest that we can come to and ask him to forgive us of all unrighteousness. So partakers of one bread, in the Greek, is the word communion. It's having communion with somebody. It's having not just fellowship, it's having close, close, intimate relationship. That's what communion, partaking of this is. It's not something that you do, it's something that you celebrate. Because when we look at the blood and we look at the body of Christ, guess what? It's cleansed us of all unrighteousness. And therefore I'm no longer a sinner, but a son. Now Joel can try and he can change his name. He can, he can leave and go stay with another family. He can move to the outskirts of the world. He can go hide away somewhere in the deep, deep Amazon jungle. He can change the way that he, that he looks facially. He can have extensions in his hair with dreadlocks. He can change the color of his eyes with, with, with um, what are these things? You? Contact lenses. Guess what? He'll always remain my son. He cannot run away from being my son because my blood runs in his veins. You cannot run away from God. You can reject him Scripture says you can, you, can, you can destroy your relationship with Him. You can lose your salvation. That's what Scripture teaches. But what we have to understand is that the Father is always beckoning on the, portion, on the portals of, of the house like the prodigal, waiting that the prodigal would return. But sadly, some prodigals don't. And they've got chance until they laid, laid down their lives to return to the Father, to restore their rightful place. So Paul comes along in Romans 12. And, uh, okay, so let me just say this. Uh, Paul's point was this in this verse in 1 Corinthians 10, that in coming to the table, whether it be of the Lord's table or an idol's table, very carefully, you can have communion with an idol's table and have communion with demonic activity. You can have communion with... You can partake of the devil's table. 
all right? We are joining ourselves to that which it represents. I'm joining myself to this because Jesus has laid down his life for me and he's given me an opportunity to become his son. The satanic church, which is trying to get into RI with, into, into schools through RI at the moment, they've got 3,000 followers on the Sunshine Coast, by the way. They've got a big temple. When they come and they have, they have uh, 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 their, their black mass or whatever they call it, Marge was just telling me, Jake, they turn the cross upside down. Yes, they do. They invert the cross at their communion. They have communion too. But that represents evil. And they join themselves to that. And I think this is what I want to stress this morning, is that we, ha- we, we can, when temptation comes, we have the opportunity to join ourselves with something else. Because we have free choice. I can become part of something else if I want to. We become one with it and with those who partake it with us. Now here's an interesting thing. Romans uh, 12 verse 2. Two verses here I want us to look at. Scripture warns the body of Christ. You and I that have the, 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 the indwelling Holy Spirit with us. He says, do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what do you and I think is the main reason that Satan tempts us? That we may not know the will of God. You ask a lot of Christians, what is God's will for you? They don't know. I don't know, Jacob. I don't know. Well, if you have your mindset, of thing, uh, mindset on things above, they are things that are eternal. But if you have your mindset on things on the earth, they are temporal. And they bring confusion along. 2 Corinthians 10 says to come against these thoughts that we have that try and steer us away from the will of God all the time. Knowledge puffs up, causes pride and pushes you away from the Father. Because we do not worship God with the intellect only. We worship Him with our hearts. Now think about this verse here in Corinthians 15.33. Do not be deceived. What does it say there? Who would like to read that out aloud? Bad company. Now think about that. The people you hang out with, you can't, you're going to start becoming like. It's called peer pressure. Look at a group of teenagers. When kids start becoming in ruling class, there's normally an instigator. And then the bad attitude becomes the norm in the class. But think about this. When one, one kid wants to do the right thing in class, what happens? The peer pressure starts pushing him not to, to do the right thing. Now if we look at the world, there are more... I'm just talking statistically. There are more people that do not follow the Christian religion than others do. So what is the peer pressure in the world? Not to be a Christian. So when you stand up and say, no, it's, it's like swimming against the current. But that's okay. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is pushing this current against me. 
I'm able to do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And where does Christ live? He's fused in, in my life. He's fused in. I cannot be separated from him when I am in direct unity with him. I am more than a conqueror. Will you say that with me? I am more than a conqueror. Now, being more like a conqueror, I heard this illustration many years ago. Have you ever seen a policeman? He walks into the middle of the road and a 36-wheeler comes running, coming, coming down at 110 k's an hour. He goes, stands in the road and he just does this. Is he stronger than that truck? But what does the truck do? Why? Because he has the whole force of the nation behind him. He's not stopping the truck. The laws that regulates the laws of the country is saying you will stop now. He is just what? He's an ambassador on behalf of all the law in the country. I mean, if the guy in the truck just wanted to put his foot down, he'll flatten that guy in three seconds. But he won't do that. Because he understands the law. So when Satan comes in like a flood, God raises up the standard. When Satan comes in with temptation, what do we do? We put up our hand and say, in the name of Jesus, you are rebuked. Satan, go. I'm not speaking in my power because in my power I'm frail. But because I've been fused with the Creator God, I have all the authority in the universe to tell Satan to go because he has to flee at the name of Jesus. Therefore, we become the peer pressure against evil. We tell evil, you will not come in. You will not force me to do something that the indwelling spirit will not allow me to do. I can do all things. So when temptation comes, I say no to it. Or let me put it this way. I have the authority to say no, and Satan has to flee. For we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and high powers. We need to understand our position in Jesus. I'm not just a sinner trying to make it. I'm a son of God with the authority of heaven behind me. It's not, I'm, I don't get prideful because of that. I'm humbled that the creator of the universe is willing to speak through me when I say, that Satan, you are rebuked. Jesus says, I agree. The Father agrees and the Spirit agrees. And the Bible says, whatever is bound in heaven shall be bound on earth. We don't just get... James says, he says, that if we don't understand these things, we are like a ship that is just floating around on, the, on, on life without a rudder, no direction, and just go wherever the waves take us. And that's what Satan is. He's the, he's, the, he's, the, he's the master of deception. He's the master of total, total chaos. But you've been fused with him. When you speak, you're speaking on behalf of him. Paul's addressing the Corinthian church. So when we read this, do not be deceived. It's, it's an amazing, if you go look at the context of this verse, Paul was addressing the Corinthian Christians strange ideas about the resurrection of Jesus because, uh, because the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. 
Their beliefs changed because they were associating themselves with Jews that did not believe in the resurrection, such as the Sadducees. The Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. And if you hang out with a Sadducee for long enough, uh, Peter John taught me something this week. Gaslighting. Who knows what gaslighting is? It comes from a, it comes from a, a movie, apparently. And what happened is this guy... So what gaslighting... So Peter John, would you come to the front quickly and explain gaslighting? Come up here quickly. All right, quickly. He's not... He, he, I didn't ask him to do this, but let the little revolutionary come up here. He, well, if that's what his T-shirt says. I didn't say that. All right. Will you share that, what gaslighting means? Um, yeah, so gaslighting is a concept of like... It's a form of manipulation, which is... Um, Basically, you slowly, um, basically, like, this stuff happens, and then you, as somebody who's gaslighting somebody, will tell them that it happened differently. Um, so where it comes from is a movie where a guy does this to his wife. There's, like, a gaslight in their house, and each day he turns the gaslights a little bit softer. So it gets darker and darker. And she'd ask him, oh, is the gaslight softer? And he'll say, no, it isn't. Um, so therefore, kind of makes them all confused and makes them kind of slowly lose their mind kind of thing. But yeah, it's that, that whole idea of like making people doubt their reality kind of thing. Does that make sense? No? Who said no? All right. So, for example, Murray, um, let's say, for example, you want uh, your, 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 let's say your wife, you want her to think that she's, she's um, misunderstanding things. Every morning you will move something in the house. And when she comes to you and says, what, did you move the table? You say, no, the table's always been there. And then after a while you'll move a chair and she'll say, did you move the chair? What do you mean? The chair's always been there. And she starts believing a new reality that is not reality at all. But you are making her believe that you are telling the truth, but you're actually deceiving her. He's messing with your mind. And this is what Satan does to you. You see, Scripture says that in the last days, that which is good will be seen as evil, and that which is evil will be seen as good. It's called gaslighting. In other words, slowly and slowly, we are being corrupted by a corrupt world system making us believe that certain things are acceptable that were not acceptable, for, for example, in the 50s, that are not acceptable in Scripture. But slowly for slowly, we, we are being gaslighted, convincing that the wrong is actually the reality. So the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. They were also associating the Jews at this, the, the early church with pagan Greek philosophy, philosophical types who did not believe in the resurrection so because they were hanging out with us paul was afraid that if you can be deceived with a small with a big thing like the resurrection how will you be able to be deceived by other things in your life because that's a biggie you take away the resurrection of jesus christ our whole belief system falls flat because we don't get saved because of the death we get resurrected because of the resurrection and that's the, so we were forgiven, but we have to be able to rise from the dead. So we can say, oh death, where is your sting? 
And we have to understand, Paul was concerned that it was bad enough that these associates affected their thinking on an important matter like the resurrection, but the evil company could corrupt far more. If we remove the resurrection, as I've said, we are in deep, deep trouble. So Malachi comes along in Malachi 3.1. Could you go to that one? Thank you. And he makes this declaration. Behold, I sent my messenger. He will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek, listen to me, will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And deliver those who through fear of death were subjected to lifelong slavery. I brought those two, toge- those two verses together. These are all in your readings that we send out every week, by the way. We have to understand that Jesus has come to do what? To take away lifelong slavery. Because this is what Satan's done. Because we have joined ourselves with Satan, and therefore we live according to his rules and regulations. Jesus comes and he joins us with himself, and he says, I now take you, whoops. I now deliver you from evil. I deliver you from satanic oppression so that you might live a life of liberty in me. John 10.10 10, For I've come, not to gi- I've come to give life and life more abundantly. Satan comes to kill, to steal, to destroy. Those are the two opposing things that we join ourselves with. We either join ourselves to satanic influence that kills and steals and destroys. We join ourselves and we... We, we, we choose to join ourselves to that. You choose to sin. Sin does not jump on you. Think about the first sin in the Bible. So I said the first murder. What, who killed who the first time in the Bible? Who knows? Cain killed Abel. And here's the thing. Just before this happened, the father comes to Cain and he approaches him. He says, Cain, sin waits at the entrance of your door. But you can overcome it. This is not New Testament stuff. This is Old Testament stuff. What does Satan do in the garden to Eve? Has God said. She should have just said, no, what you're saying is a half truth, so go in the name of, of the Father. Well, Jesus wasn't around there in the sense of it already come like in the New Testament. But Jesus was there. She should have just rebuked the, 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 the serpent immediately. She had the authority. She was without sin. Think about this. She was without sin at that point in time. But she allows herself to be joined with this demonic thing. And then invites her husband to join too. And they lose their dominion. They lose their kingship. And Jesus comes to restore your kingship and your queenship this morning, child of God. You are no longer a slave. You're a king. And he's the king of kings. You've become a lord. Is there something like a lordess? All right. A lady. You're a lady, you're a lady of the lord. But we need to act. So how does this happen? Well, number one. We examine ourselves. Because scripture says before we partake of the table of the Lord, we need to examine ourselves. So examine what have we what have we've messed up this week? What have we messed up this morning? What are you thinking right now that is not pleasing to the Lord? 
Why have you come this morning? Have you come under duress? Because you're forced to come? Are you in the right frame of mind? Have you set your mind? Because he says, remember he says, having your mind renewed? Have you changed your mind about what you're thinking is wrong? What's your attitude right now as you sit here? What are your motives right now? Because right now God sits, God is right in you and he knows all these things. You cannot hide anything from him. You have to examine yourself. The second thing, you confess. Anything that you're holding on to, anything that you're clinging on to, there's some sins that you cling on to, things that you do not want to let go because you feel you have the right to feel that way. We confess this as sin. We repent from these things. We ask God to get rid of our resentment, our bitterness, our worry, our envy, our lack of trust in Him. We ask Him to take those things. We surrender our lives. You see, here's the thing. You can confess a sin without surrendering. I can stand before God and say, yes, I believe that you are God, but I'm not giving my life to you. Think about that. There's a time when Paul goes to the governor and after he's walked away, he looks at Paul, he says to him, I think it was Festus, he looks at Paul, he says, Paul, you nearly converted me. He believed everything that Paul was saying, but he was not willing to go over, over into the next step of surrender. Surrender, God desires that we offer our lives as a living sacrifice. He wants to redeem us, make a disciple of him, consecrate us, that, that we can consecrate, in other words, dedicate our lives to him entirely, separately to live for him, for his will, for his work, for his honor. It's surrender. And then thirdly, I express my gratitude for what he's doing and will do and has done. Those four things. Without those four things, it's tough to partake of this that we call communion. Because I've got to renounce the other union that I have. I've got to get rid of that. I cannot, remember what he says, you cannot serve two masters. You'll either love the one and hate the other one or hate the other one and love the other one. You cannot serve two go to, to gods. You cannot serve two masters. You've got to choose your master. Does that make sense this morning? Are we understanding that when we choose the creator God, that we choose the winning side? Kind of talking about benefits here. Hallelujah. Yeah? It's, benef it's beneficial to serve the creator. We don't serve him just for the benefits. But my goodness, they, they, you want to work for a good company? Work for God Incorporated, I tell you. Because I tell you what, the benefits are out of this world. That's a good one. Come on. I, I, didn't, think, I didn't think that up. I've heard that before. That wasn't me. But church, we have to understand that we are one with Jesus. Look at somebody on your right and say, you are one with Jesus. If you accept him into your life. So we're going to do another declaration. We've done it before. We'll do it again. So let's have a look here. Are we ready to declare together? One, two, three. 
How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praises. For a day of... For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing he does withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord God of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Amen. Are you enthused and encouraged this morning? Amen. God is a good God. And let's not sell ourselves short of everything that he has available for you. Amen. We pray you've enjoyed this message from Life Builders Church in Rainbow. For more information about our church, please go to our website at www.lifebuilderschurch.org.au Until next time, God bless.